Oh, kiss me and smile for me. Let me know you'll wait for me. Hold me like you'll never let me go. Cause I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know I'll be back again. Leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> I don't know when I'll be back again. Leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. So, Truman, this is who you found to save the planet. Ross, you good to go? One, one sec. Boy, don't take anything seriously. Yeah. Reminds me of a guy I used to know. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of our two-part season two finale of the undeniably authentic Ben Affleck. All warnings are the same. Enjoy your show. You know, I, I know that you're from the Boston area, as am I, and there's this reputation that, like, Boston guys know how to fight. I'm always going way out of my way to say no, I do not. I was in one fight in my life. I did very, very poorly, very quickly. <laughs> And this is, uh, th mine was in the north end of Boston. Did you ever get in any fights as a kid? I, I'm like you. I, I really tried to avoid them because there are people in Boston who really do know how to fight. Yes. And, and, uh, and you know if you're one of them or not. And yeah. so, uh, but no, the last fight I got into <clears throat> would have been in the, in the mid-80s. And uh, we had a, I remember it, we had a snow day at school. So we would all meet in, uh, in the Cambridge Common and, and play tackle football, mm -hmm. you know, because there would be a foot of snow on the ground. And so it was kind of you like, you can't get hurt. You yeah. can't really get hurt. Uh, so, so it was a really fun thing to do. And uh, I mouthed off to a kid that I knew, he, but he was, he was like your height. He was like six foot six. Right. And I might have been five three at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and I said something, I, I, had, I had scored on him or something, and I, I don't know, I said something, but, I, but he, he came for me. And it was like, this mountain of a guy came at me, and I was like, oh man. So before I knew it, it was like, I was on the ground, he was, he was above me, and I was like, this is gonna be bad. And it was right then that little five foot two Ben Affleck tackled this dude off of me, what? like out of nowhere. I was like a junior and he was like a freshman. And, and he tackled this kid off of me and literally at the risk of his own life. And really quickly, then everyone broke it up because they wanted to get back to like the football game because that right, was fun and right. this was ridiculous. Right. And so, he, so that was the end of it. And the kid was reasonable and he was like, all right, I'm not fighting these, all right, let's, let's play. But I remember that was like a big moment going like, this guy is like, he will, he will put himself in a really bad spot for me. Like this yeah. is a good friend. And he will be Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part two of our unfettered, unfiltered love letter to Ben Affleck. I was trying to think of uh, some credentials to list before his name, and there's too many. Actor, filmmaker, uh, director, writer, producer, they're all in there. And the last episode, we touched on the fact that so many people hate him or hated him during the era which we last left off on, left off on which was the sort of like early 2000s you know couldn't go anywhere without seeing him and JLo on a magazine cover phase and the one thing I, I wanted to bring up was how completely oh Spro I forgot to introduce us 
time out. <clears throat> My name is MC. Welcome to Second Chance Cinema. I just dove right in. I was just like, let's just do this. Let's just let's just. You're so excited. Just, I was. Let's just talk about Ben Affleck. I'm MC, one of your hosts, Spro, my my loyal and forgiving co-host. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Just I was ready to dive in too. I guess like I didn't realize you didn't introduce us. I, I didn't like, either. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, like we're going were... the J Lo. We're going there. Yeah. Like there was no. I mean, we didn't no wheel of poetry since this is a two part episode. It was just sort of like let's hit the ground running. But what I was going to say is when we got when we hung up after the last episode, I cannot begin to describe how wretched and icky I felt <laughs> regarding the way that we gossiped about Ben Affleck because that's what it. <laughs> was like that's what we were doing we were talking about you know him and j-lo and and we were the i can't think of a i can't think of a comparison that's not an offensive stereotype so i'm just gonna say we were gossiping upon gossiping upon gossiping and when we hung up i was like Ugh, that felt gross did you get well, that it's funny at all because you never know like who's listening and who needs to hear it right, right. like when we did the stick it episode like uh jessica benninger was very appreciative that it was two dudes talk and stick it a uh, movie fair. about gymnastics yeah fair and so like i wonder who out there is like i need to know two dudes opinion on <laughs> on benifer and <laughs> yeah and that- we we ate that sunday up <laughs> We sh- dude, we did, and and like I said, and and that's exactly what it was. It was the morning after for me. It only it happened immediately. It was just like a hangover of guilt, and like I can't believe I did that. Like I can't believe I I can't believe I I took the bait and indulged in that conversation. But I guess it needed to happen. You just saying Benifer right now made me physically <laughs> gag a little bit because that's was that the first one? Like the first um, yeah. what is it? The first is it portmanteau of. Is that how you say it? Oh, Jesus, I guess. Let me look I it up. Know. I'll look it up. But was that the first one? I was going to say amalgamation. Uh, amalgamation, I think, is accurate, but I believe the word I'm thinking of refers specifically to names. But was that the first one? Yeah, that was the first, like, Benifer. What else was there? Yeah, Port I can't even think of other ones. I mean, Br- Brett, Brand- Brangelina, that one. Bra- um, yeah, so that would be Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which was after 2001 or whatever. Here's a fun fact I didn't know until we took a little break when or where because we know how brad pitt and angelina got together right it was mr and mrs smith mm-hmm. but do you know trivia for you where did no, ben affleck no and i don't Jennifer Lopez no. meet? <laughs> I, um well it wasn't on the set of the movie because that came out after they were together i don't know i feel like puff daddy's yacht is a suitable answer <laughs> Is that close? Well, no, you are. You were hot and then you went ice cold. They met on the set of Jiggly. They just, it took two years for the movie to come out. So they met on that film. And then when they were dating, it comes out and everybody hates shits on it. I see. That was a fun fact. I was like, oh, I never Uh, knew that. That was was definitely a a fact. I will give you that. Um, (laughs) My other point, we talked about Daredevil and it was gnawing at me. I felt like Daredevil was 2003 as we were talking about it I kept thinking there's something that there's something that I'm missing with regard to why Daredevil was shit on so much and then I remembered after we hung up that X-Men 2 also came out in 2003 now X-Men 2 came out I think Daredevil actually came out on Valentine's Day which I don't know if that was like a marketing stunt or what but X-Men 2 came out 
in May, like the end of spring in 2003. And X-Men 2 was and is, remains, in my opinion, one of the great superhero movies of our generation. And I think that while it probably didn't have an immediate like effect on the box office or, you know, the the initial reviews, looking back at Daredevil through the lens that produced X2, like there was no comparison. And that has nothing necessarily to do with, you know, the merits or the shortcomings of Daredevil. It was just like X2 raised the bar so high. Good point. Good point. Thank you. No, I was just going to say, but even the X-Men franchise shortly after just shit the bunk bed with with (laughs) X-Men The Last Stand. It was just, I mean, I I suppose nothing gold can stay. Um, And that was definitely the case. Apocalypse and I was trying to think about this, too, because I knew we'd go down this (laughs) rabbit hole and I couldn't think of the one. It was first class. And then I jumped right to Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. And I was like, wait, there was one more. And it was actually Days of Future Past, which was my favorite one. Um, I thought that one was great. But for some reason, that one like that's like a blind spot in my in my mind and my memory of X-Men movies. But we digress. What was our boy Ben doing? Right. So like all these movies from 2003 to 2010 just weren't doing his um, repertoire any favors. And Mm -hmm. then he does an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Company Men, which was a forgettable tale. And then this and then it's 2010 and he does the bank robbery flick, The Town. Miss Kesey, I would like to start with your abduction. Four men made me open the safe. They took me as a hostage. Were you able to see anything at all through the blindfold? No. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. <laughs> You're okay. Just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. <laughs> Why should we buy a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one square mile neighborhood called Charlestown. Do your parents still live here? My mother moved away and my father. You don't get out much. I'm thinking about making a change. Making a change. Either you got here or you don't. You used to hang around with Doug McCray a little bit, huh? How do you know Dougie? I work for the FBI. I'm putting this whole town in my revenue. You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. I hear you guys sweet new girlfriend. Secret's this one. If I think anything might happen to her, I'm gonna kill both of you. Are you in love with me? Yes. Okay, so the town, I remember on our last episode, you mentioned specifically that the reason you like Ben Affleck as a filmmaker, a director, a writer, is because he makes things, I forget if you said relatable or if you said sort of like every man, he makes things just kind of simple. And I feel like this might be a good point to talk about that with the town. Yeah, he, well, the specific point was he doesn't do anything to show off his, him being a director, you know, like he, he does his job as a director and he puts a movie or he puts a script on the screen 
screen. Uh, but he does. He's not like Oliver Stone, where he's putting a bunch of weird edits. You know, he's not mm-hmm. Zack Snyder, where he's doing eighty percent of the movie in slow motion because he <laughs> wants it to be more of a painting. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I like about him. The town I studied actually as I wrote my own bank robbery film. And actually, I was just put in touch with a real life bank robber who did a hundred robberies. He he's an ex marine, and then turned himself in because he wanted to do a new life, and he got about six years in jail or something like that, and came out. There's a YouTube video of him breaking down bank robbery scenes and saying like how realistic they are. They know exactly what they're doing. You can tell by the way they move, where they go. They know the layout of this place. Stop against the wall! You, away from the computer! Bank robberies that are done by a lot of different gangs. This is how they go in and this is how they operate. Just with brute force and sheer fear. When's the time lock set for? Nine o'clock. Oh, right, it was. It's 8.15. He asked her uh, something very specific about the bank, which he already knew. I would ask a bank employee a question just because I knew the answer and I wanted to see if they were gonna be straight with me or not. I wanted to see if they were gonna be nervous, how they were gonna respond to the question I was asking. He just wanted to see if she was gonna cooperate. Hold it. Silent alarm, this address. You pull the alarm? No, no. A lot of people believe that everyone in a bank, you know, all employees have silent alarms. That's not accurate. There's very, specific people that have the silent alarms um, that are allowed to push it. I would say this movie is a 10. For the realistic way that these guys are just that aggressive, unfortunately, you have a lot of guys that go in and that's how they do it. So if anybody is looking for a great bank robbery film to put up there, like I, I studied the town with Dog Day Afternoon, Heat, Point Break, Den of Thieves, and it's just, it's one of the, I would put it in top 10 bank robbery films of all time and probably top six, top five, if you like bank robbery films. So let's pump the brakes and back up here for a second. You <laughs> know a retired bank robber? I was put in touch. So I just optioned my film Six Banks in Bakersfield. And as I was doing that, one of the producers came back and they're like, we are in touch with this one bank robber. He's an ex-Marine. He robbed 100 banks, but apparently he's a great guy. And so they're like, we want to tell his story. And they're like, are you interested? I was like, well, I just I just optioned my bank robbery film. So I, I'll listen. I was like, but I'm pretty sure I'm done with bank robbery films. Bro, I have known you, I think, for probably close to 25 five years. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> really? That you've been put in touch with a retired bank robber who has robbed over a hundred banks. <laughs> like, oh my God. I was just put in touch with a mafia member too. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I don't want to go too far off track here, but how, why? That guy wants to tell his story as well. And he is out in New York. He was part of the five families. Um, you got to be careful, man. You know, has a whole lot of stories. I have a. What I don't want to see happen is a movie in like five years about brilliant screenwriter who was used as a patsy by former bank robbers and the mafia. Um, you know, to do some some character laundering or something like that. I don't want. To see, I don't want that to be your fate, man. Well, we're 
definitely not shy on this show to say that, you know, the mafia is not, not that, that bad. bad. <laughs> not that bad. They do good things. They do good work. What's the topic of this show again? Ben Affleck. Ben who Affleck, I've also that's seen right. in person. Yeah, he almost ran over my friend with a car uh, when my friend lived in L.A. <laughs> he almost, uh, at an intersection, he made a speedy, I guess, right-hand turn. And um, yeah, my friend called me the shortly after. He's like, yeah, I almost got hit uh, by a car. It was Ben Affleck. <laughs> so if anyone has a reason to hate him, I do, because he almost killed my best friend, but I don't. So he was on Bill Maher when I was in the audience, ah. and they were talking about- Oh, yeah, about you did it, mention that. That was when he yeah, like, Islamophobia. Ripped, he ripped Bill Maher a new one, which I and support And Sam fully. Harris, I think, was the other one. I don't know who that is. Um, Sam Harris got his name by being ultra logical, I guess, when it comes to being anti-religious. And so I don't have too much basis in religion, but I'm completely open-minded to being like, one of these could be right, and I definitely could be wrong. Where Sam Harris is like, no religion is right, and we're all going to die, and our consciousness is going to be shut off. And it's like, well, how do you know that? <laughs> like, how do you not have like a seedling of doubt because you've never died before? You know? Okay, let, let me just give you what you want. There are hundreds of millions of Muslims who are nominal Muslims who don't take the faith seriously, who don't want to kill apostates, who are horrified by ISIS, and we need to defend these people, prop them up, and let them reform. Dude, you're talking, ISIS couldn't fill a double-A ballpark in Charleston, West Virginia, and you were making a career out of ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. But no, 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 not just ISIS. It's all jihadists. It's global. It's a phenomenon of global jihadists. I think that's the opposite. There is those things. There's ISIS. There's global jihadists. The question is the degree to which you're willing to say, because I've witnessed this behavior, which we all object to on the part of these people, I'm willing to flatly condemn not, those not, of you I don't know willing. and I've never met. No, this is not based condemning on people. It's yeah, ideas. It's, and gotta make and people who believe in those yes, ideas. So it's based, based, those people believe based no, on reality, Ben. On we're not action. making it up that there is that in the Muslim world, it is mainstream belief. But this Main, is such a caricature of Indonesia, of Malaysia, okay, wait a so minute. much of the world. And this does have the tinge a little bit of the way white racists talk about African Americans and define blacks by but what you're saying is because they are, are a minority, we shouldn't make we shouldn't we shouldn't criticize that, that, as, that much of a minority, the second biggest religion in the world. Exactly, but they're but you're treating them like a minority. I mean, if Filipinos were capturing teenagers and sending them into white slavery, we would criticize that. We wouldn't say, you well, they're criticize Filipinos. the people who are doing it, not the Philippines. You know what I mean? Well, what if the people as a Filipino kid lives on the street from you would have nothing to do with that? So these no. are different things, crazy Racial people. Racial so I, I think, I think it right. goes. Let's, let's talk, we mentioned ISIS. Let's ISIS. talk about that. But that was like in 2014 where he does The Town and then Argo, which is his Academy Award winning film that he directed and starred in, was awarded Best Picture of 2012. And that's his next movie that comes out. So back to back, like after seven years of just kind of like muckraking, Ben Affleck comes out back to back with The Town and Argo, which I think kind of puts him back on the map professionally. I don't want to say personally because... Well, I mean, I don't, I don't see how, like, how do you, it's like Tom Brady. Okay. Like there are people who identify their existence with disliking Tom Brady. And I know that because I lived on the East coast for 10 years and I met plenty of them, but you cannot deny that he's, I I would argue the greatest quarterback of all time based on Mm -hmm. stats, based on rings, based on um, the fact that he's, uh, I don't know how old he is, but he just scored a shitload of fantasy points for me last week. And, and it's one of those things where it's like when you win best picture for the movie you directed, like, are you not the best? 
best anymore? Like, are you not the best? I mean, if that's not credibility, what is? Right. Absolutely. Well, and the sad fact is it doesn't bring him any more joy in the eyes of the public because he does two more films to the one is called to the wonder, which I don't know anything about. And then runner runner, Justin Timberlake, when a poor college student who cracks an online poker game goes bust, he arranges a face to face with the man he thinks cheated him, which played by Ben Affleck, a sly offshore entrepreneur. So he doesn't do himself any favor by playing that jackass, right? But then... I think one of my one of my favorite pieces of trivia about Hollywood and about a movie in general is concerning the next movie, which is 2014, when he plays Nick Dunn in Gone Girl. I heard David Fincher said that you were really perfect for this part because you could relate to the character of like being a part of the media circus and that kind of that part of it. Is that something that uh, spoke to you especially about this? Scene? Yeah, I mean, certainly I'm not the only actor who's. Um you know, experience something like this, but uh, I have been, you know, subject to analysis from the media that I thought was neither fair nor accurate. I've been, you know, exposed to the way that it can become kind of a hysteria and the way in which, you know, a person becomes a commodity. And that's really what happens to Nick, but it's in a much more elevated way because it's it's life or death. It's Is he a criminal? It's, you know, uh, tabloid uh, uh, cable TV where they sort of wring every drop of scandal and um, prurience out of every murder case for the sake of ratings. And, um, you know, if celebrity media is distasteful, this this is uh, almost uh, is, is unethical. Okay. He is casted in this movie by my favorite director, David Fincher. Right. With the knowledge, and David Fincher and Ben Affleck are like very open about this. But so the character of Nick Dunn is pretty much a ripoff of Scott Peterson, right? Right. Who Scott Peterson is now on death row for killing his pregnant wife, Lacey Peterson. Mm -hmm. If you watch, I think there's like a Hulu documentary about the Scott Peterson investigation and if you watch that and gone girl back to back it's david fincher and ben affleck are almost copycat it's almost plagiarism (laughs) how much that storyline mirrors the scott peterson trial Mm -hmm. now the scott peterson thing is everybody looked at scott peterson my sister one of my sisters i guess i can shroud her in secrecy really wanted scott peterson to be innocent because Scott Peterson automatically vilified by the press, which we find out really justified. But the reason why David Fincher casted Ben Affleck is because he's like, look, we're going to put you on there. People already hate you <laughs> for no undes- it, for no indescribable reason. I'm going to put your face on that screen and people are going to be like, oh, fuck, he did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to cast know you because we're going to cast Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck knows public perception about him is so fucked <laughs> that he's perfect for this role. And I was going to say, I I watched that movie recently for the first time. And even though I don't hate Ben Affleck, I got that vibe. Like I was like, oh man, this guy's kind of like, he's playing innocent, but he's doing it in a smarmy way. Kind of like I had that kind of emotional reaction. And then Neil Patrick Harris showed up and she killed him on the bed and slit his throat. And that was just the weirdest shit to see. <laughs> like that was, that was just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't even make sense of that in my head. And Tyler Perry was in that movie too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, I did not know that, but that's awesome. Like that's, it's not exactly fan service. Like I'm thinking, but kind of capitalizing on Ben Affleck's 
you know, existing equity, negative equity, that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Like you said, fan service. I almost feel like it's hater service. Something right? like that. It's yeah. Like, it's like reverse. This fan one's for service. the people that hate me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm going to play that role that you want, you know, type of thing. Right. So I would say Gone Girl is his best performance only because like he's really good in it. But in the same instance, just the fact that he just the psychology behind it and taking that role and being like, yeah, I'm going to play this guy who mm-hmm. is not the villain, you know, ultimately, I don't know. I guess they're both villains, maybe, or they're like, both victims. Yeah, that movie, that movie just <laughs> fucked me up really weird. Like because they're because like like they're both just I think assholes. They're both just assholes. Like at the end of the movie, right? right? Like it's not so much villainy. It's like there was this potential for a villainous situation. There was potential for like one of them to, uh, there was potential for this reveal or a swerve where it's like either, you know, she's framing him or he's really done it. And there was potential for it to be very black and white, but then they just kind of meet in the middle in this like gray area where they're just both terrible people. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) okay. So, I mean, I guess in a weird way, they're made for each other. Um, Right. Or they deserve each other. They deserve each other, but also they're awful. So yeah, that was a movie that like I watched that and then I had to just kind of sit and look at the TV for a few minutes. And then of course, after that, we're getting into the era of him as Bruce Wayne and Batman, which we correct. We talked about quite a bit um, in the previous episode. And it's funny that you said that, that you thought Gone Girl was your favorite role of his. You know, there aren't a ton as I'm going back up through his filmography. You know, he's not a character actor, I suppose. Like he's not so different from movie to movie that every character he plays is like a departure from Ben Affleck, the person. But I tried to think of what my favorite role was. And I, I, of course, I thought um, Armageddon popped in my head first. Boiler Room was another one. I told you I love Changing Lanes, even though that was kind of a dud. Gone Girl, of course. But then I came back to Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I think him as Bruce Wayne and Batman, more so Bruce Wayne, I think we talked about previously, is really like... And you know what I think it is? It was the backlash that happened when it was announced versus the actual performance that we got. And it was just it was almost just like a middle finger to all the the nerds who were upset about Ben Affleck being Batman. And it was the same thing. I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily rank his performance up with Heath Ledger's as the Joker, but it was the same thing. People were like, Heath Ledger got cast as a Joker. That's going to suck. And then, you know, we got what we got, um, which was amazing. I wonder, I feel like, and I've been thinking about this more and more. So the media that we have really likes to zero in on the negative people, right? The people that are going hmm. to be like, you don't that's say so, <laughs> that's such bullshit. Like, I, I can't believe that, you know, they're going to cast Ben Affleck as this or Robert Pattinson as that. I can't believe rada, 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 rada. Like how many people just did not give a shit that Ben Affleck was going to play the I'm, best I'm like, raising, how many people I'm raising my hand right here. Like, I, <laughs> like honest, how many yeah. people are like, I just want to see how this unfolds. Like, I'm not going to judge it until I see the movie. I don't quite understand how you can be angry about Ben Affleck when we've already survived Val Kilmer as Batman. Right? Nothing against Val Kilmer. Val Val Kilmer was phenomenal as Iceman, Tom Kazansky in Top Gun. He took the piss out of himself for his role in Batman in a show that I loved, a miniseries on HBO called Life's Too Short, which if you can find on YouTube, his cameo arc was hilarious. Adam West? Oh, Adam West is about 85. I, I don't know, with Adam, aren't we? Um, Ad, uh, we've had George Clooney, um, Christian Bale, uh, Michael Keaton. I, I don't know who else was in Batman. Take it off, Val. 
Ah, uh, it's Val Kilmer. Oh, See? yeah. Uh, I gotcha. <laughs> you did. It's my, uh, my uh, trick. Yeah. No one ever gets it. Good to see you. But, like, I mean, the Batman franchise is just littered with shitty casting. Just littered with it. I mean, like, you know, from Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, I would argue Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, Tommy Lee Jones as fucking Two-Face. Like, that was just getting outraged and incensed over Ben Affleck being Batman just really, really made me realize how short people's memory is, you know, because you know it's like be amazing though. What? That like, I mean, you just sparked it in my mind. I really wish we had a present day Christopher Nolan, Jim Carrey Riddler. Well, the Riddler's the villain in the new one. The um, who plays him? Paul Dano. Paul Dano. <sighs> I don't know much about him, but I mean, apparently, it's not. It's definitely not Jim Carrey. He's not going to have like a light up question mark green blazer or a hideout. No, and, like- and he won it now. You know, like with his like depressed funny man. Oh, that would be awesome if it was like you know, a multi, like, that's a multi like a multiverse Jim Carrey Riddler. That would yeah. be sweet. But apparently in this one, from what I've read, he's supposed to be super freaky, super creepy, super like like serial killer, methodical kind of like Zodiac style, which, you know, is interesting. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a Riddler iteration, and I guess I can only think of Jim Carrey and then the eight, the 60s TV show. But, you know, we've never seen a Riddler who's like actually psychologically tormenting Batman in in a meaningful way, you know, without, right. without, I just realized what I was such a hypocrite right there where you said Paul Dano and I went, Oh, <laughs> I'm going to, I can't wait to see what Paul Dano does with the part. <laughs> see, you know what? I applaud you for acknowledging, acknowledging and atoning for, for that mistake and that little bit of hypocrisy. But either way, I mean, we're, we're talking about like, like of all the, I, I don't know if it's the media that, that hones in on the negative reactions as much as it is. People will get upset about any, and everything when it comes to casting, especially superheroes. And those are the people that are like flock to the internet and just go, I'm going to make my hated, hatred, negative opinion heard. And I don't like, well, judging by, I mean, judging by box office returns and things like that, they're certainly not the majority. Um, They just might be the loudest group of people who, who voice their opinions. Because like I said in the last episode, I thought him as Bruce Wayne, I would I would put him probably just below Michael Keaton. And, and I where even, is that on your list? I'm even well, I, I meant Michael Keaton as number one. And I'm even wondering now if Michael Keaton should be number one. Because like You think I, it's a nostalgia vote? Yeah, it might be. It really might be. And I think that, like I said, the the Ben Affleck Batman was the old grizzled like Logan Batman, which to me was always one of the most interesting iterations from the comics because again, you know, no matter how much armor he wears, no no matter how bulletproof his suits are or whatever, like he's still just a dude under there. You know, he's fit. He's, he's fit as fuck, but he's still just a dude with bones and skin and blood and all that. And so to see Ben Affleck kind of like as like the grunting when he stands up, you know, (laughs) Batman, even if it's only little tiny, almost Easter eggy nods to that iteration i thought that was that was awesome i mean the fact that he had like um like the gray wingtips on his hair like the sideburn the gray you know a little bit of gray hair was was definitely a small thing but really kind of added to the character in terms of like yeah this is a a bit of a different batman so and i think the thing with justice league and batman versus superman and everything 
like that. If you think about the movies, one, I would argue that Ben Affleck's Batman and Bruce Wayne is the best thing about those movies. And two, if you could think about the first time and probably the only time that you sat through the movies, Mm -hmm. I would say that when Ben Affleck was on the screen, you relaxed a little bit more than when anybody else was because anybody else might just have a cringy moment Mm -hmm. that you got to be like, oh God, why did that make it into the movie? Mm -hmm. I don't think Ben Affleck had many, if at all, any of those moments. Like I think like what he put on the screen, I I can assure you that I've had those moments with maybe the Flash. I really like kind of how they did the Flash in those movies. It it helped that he was comic relief because those movies needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like Aquaman... Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Superman with the bad CGI of the upper lip. Like there was just so much going on in those movies where you're like, oh God, why? Why? But Ben Affleck's Batman, I was like, I dig this. I like this. You know, the way you describe it just now reminds me of like, so, okay, so we're both Browns fans and I I, I can't remember being less nervous when our quarterback throws a pass than I have been with Baker Mayfield. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like same thing with like, you know, the Ohio State quarterbacks, there were some who when you threw the ball, you knew it was going to be a bullet and you knew that if it wasn't caught, it was going to be on somebody else besides the quarterback. And then there were the the quarterbacks where they kind of just lobbed it up and you closed your eyes and you were like, oh, oh cringe, cringe, cringe. And that's an interesting way to describe it because you're right. Like I'm, I'm thinking back to and I, all these movies blend together at one point where, oh, I guess it would have had to be Batman versus Superman because what's his name? Lex Luthor was in it. There's the whole scene where uh, Bruce Wayne's at the party and Clark Kent shows up and they're bantering back and forth as Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent and Ben Affleck like the Bruce Wayne character in that scene was just very very like he knew more than Clark Kent at that point like he I felt like he he was in on everything that was going on or at least if he wasn't he was about to be and I think that like the confidence that that Bruce Wayne had was unlike anything that we'd seen before because it wasn't just like hey I'm rich I'm confident ego ego this and you know cars and toys and suits of armor in my dining room this it was like he he, he he struck me as like a like a cerebral Batman. And again, that was just something that was different as opposed yeah. to, what? you know, George Clooney's take. Wait. Let me. It's just a little out of place. So Clark seemed to share your view on being woken up. He could have killed you. I was willing to make the trade. And bringing in Lois Lane? Remember what you told me about Hart and the hangar? I bet you thought I was at this thing. Thank you. You know you can't do this forever. I can barely do it now. Steppenwolf. This is the job. It's my job. And I haven't been doing it. I've been reacting. Not leading. You know what you said about Steve It wasn't my business, I'm sorry. You were pushing me to lead the team. But leaders get people killed. I fought, always, when I was needed. But to lead, to step into the light and to say to people, this is worth your life. When it's your fault, They're all Steve Trevor. We make it through tonight. 
You can stay in the shadows forever. Dress up like a bat. I won't even sue. Please, we get through the night. <laughs> well, it's funny too because, like, the, the Batmans before him all just seemed like rich guys that wanted to fight crime, right? They right. were the, like, the Bruce Wayne was the richest guy in a shit heap city, right? right, like, right. Where, like, Ben Affleck's, and really, obviously, it's writing, it's directing, it's not Ben Affleck being like, this is my role and I'm going with it. But what I like about Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne is he's tired. Like, you feel right. like he would doesn't necessarily want to fight crime anymore. He would love to, like, throw his money at a problem and try and fix it mm-hmm. um, but he's just tired where everybody like christian bale's batman george clooney especially those batmans were like they could fix problems in other ways they just didn't want to because they See, wanted to go kick some ass and you make a good point about ben affleck's batman being just exhausted there's a part at the end of the dark knight with christian bale where like after he's beaten the joker um in the fist fight the joker's just like i think you and i are destined to do this forever. You'll be in a better jail forever. Maybe we could share one. You know, they'll be doubling up the rate this city's inhabitants are losing their minds. This city just showed you that it's full of people ready to believe in good. Until their spirit breaks completely. Until they get a good look at the real Harvey Dent. And all the heroic things he's done. You didn't think I'd risk losing the battle for Gotham's soul in a fist fight with you. Oh, you need an ace in the hole. Mine's Harvey. What did you do? And <laughs> Christian Bale as Batman just kind of goes like, oh, God, there's more. And that's kind of how I felt like the Ben Affleck uh, Batman was the whole movie. And that sort of gives you an insight into like he's been doing this shit for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. and you you get subtle nods to that through like the the bat suit with the Joker spray paint on it. And, you know, just things like that suggest he's been doing this for a long, long time. And I think that was, you know, credit where credit's due that partly the writing, partly the cinematography and all that sort of stuff, but also just his vibe as just being like fuck I'm tired like I, I I was like man I feel you dude I'm tired too I haven't been fighting crime like I've been doing chores around the house but man I get it I think Hollywood needs to listen to that that we yes Endgame was a cinematic event and we all really enjoy watching really buff clean cut superheroes fight crime but there is an audience for the stories of the superheroes getting tired and getting old because I think we're, there's a big population now that grew up with comic books that Mm -hmm. are tired and old, right? Like Logan, a lot of people will hail Logan as one of the best comic book movies ever made. Mm -hmm. And there are so many other instances, like Watchmen is another one of like superheroes being like, now we're done. You know, it's got its own TV show. One of the films that I always think about that I just wish was so much better than it was is Hancock. Right. With Will Smith. Yeah. And that the beginning of that is kind of I mean, it's a comical take on like comical. It's a comical take on superhero alcoholism. But the (laughs) um, but that's kind of like 
it's it's blurring that line of Ben Affleck's Batman because like the first time you see Bruce Wayne or Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, he's got, you know, the whiskey glass or whatever with him. Uh-huh. And you're like, yeah, I want to see the aged. I want to see aged super like a real authentic aged. I'm very upset that we're not getting the Batman with Ben Affleck directed by Ben like that. If anything comes out of this, I want people to know that we are going to miss out on probably what was going to be one of the greatest Batman tales ever told. And it's because people shit on him so much. That's true. And I mean, if you think about what you just said, what was the last scene of Tony Stark? ever. It was him exhausted having just defeated Thanos and Gwyneth Paltrow says we're safe, you can rest and then he dies. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the old weathered superhero that you know, Tony, this Tony Stark character built up that equity through however many movies, like six or seven movies. But the Ben Affleck Batman character, you know, I would argue certainly not as iconic, but definitely in that same vein where, you know, there was gravity to him. And he was he was a character who was more than just like a superhero. Mm-hmm. And there's there's other movies that he did. He did Live by Night, The Accountant, um, Triple Frontier. But a movie that kind of is along the same vein as Gone Girl is uh, The Way Back. You know, my dad told me last night, he said that you got a full ride to Kansas. You just quit. Why? My father didn't like me very much. And someone told him I was good at basketball. He paid a lot more attention to me. And I realized it wasn't me that he loved. It was what I could do. I spent a lot of time hurting myself, trying to hurt my father. I never picked up a basketball again. I need a new coach, Jack. You're the first person I thought of. The team any good? No. (laughs) In fact, the last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. It's the whole team, 10 kids. I want to know why they're leaving you open. It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. Oh, snap. Heard you're coaching basketball. Keeps my mind off other things. You don't decide the game. The players decide the game. I understand you're trying to motivate the team, but we have a code of conduct. Oh, bullshit. I'm working on it. Work harder. This team is not as bad as its record. We have to trust each other. We have to have faith. I just want you to be happy again. But you kind of want it too. Don't underestimate the impact you can have on them. You got this. No, don't just nod. I want to hear your voice. Yes or no? Yes, coach. You're nervous. I get it. Truth is, they're more talented than you. Probably got a better coach. But I promise you, they are not a better team. Because they haven't been through what we've been through. They don't know adversity. They don't know what it's like to get knocked down, to have to get back up again. They don't know what it is to fight. We can't change the past, Jack. What we can do is choose how we move forward. Did you see is the way that back? The, uh... 
that's the basketball one, right? Yes. Um, but how do you, what do you mean similar to Gone Girl? So it's similar to Gone Girl where I think what we need to appreciate about Ben Affleck is he is um, very open about his struggles with alcoholism, right? Like, and he is still, I mean, I haven't had an addiction to alcohol. I don't know necessarily the struggles you have through the, the AA program um, and getting clean and everything like that. I assume that Ben Affleck is still has to still remind himself to stay clean, you know, type of thing. The way back is a character suffering from alcoholism. And this Mm. is when Ben Affleck was going through one of his clean periods, like he was sober. Mm -hmm. um, And he decided to play the role just to kind of tap into what he was suffering from himself and kind of he used the role to examine what he was going through in his own life. And at the same time was putting it on film for a movie for all of us to enjoy. It was where I say it's kind of like Gone Girl. It's most people when they are given a flaw, right? Or take a flaw on, they try to hide it away where Ben Affleck like peels back that layer and goes, all right, let me, let me explore this with everybody. And I think we need to appreciate that for him as an actor is that he, yes, there are a lot of roles that he did where he's not necessarily trans- transforming himself like Charlize Theron in Monster or something like, or Heath Ledger, which we keep bringing up in Joker. But he is playing these real roles as authentically as possible. And I don't think you could say that Ben Affleck ever turned in a bad performance. And I think the way back for anybody that likes basketball movies, one, and, and unfairly judged Ben Affleck I think need to go see that movie and then be like, oh, wait, this is a real person that I'm shitting on because I have a bad attitude toward strong chins or whatever they oh, might. I forgot up. about the chins. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I just I looked up sort of there's an article that sort of describes how he's tied in his real life struggles to this movie. It's from the New York Times dot com. And it says Ben Affleck tried to drink away the pain. Now he's you've reached your limit of free articles. So I couldn't read it because <laughs> God, and even this article is one of those like it's like one of those recipe blogs where it's like recipe for grilled cheese sandwich. And then it's five paragraphs of boy, I remember <laughs> living in Tennessee with my grandmother. She used to come in from, you know, the milking the cows and would have the freshest cheese. And it's, you know, part of my childhood and blah, blah, blah. I can't find it. I don't know. That's interesting that authentic was the word that you said that that definitely describes that performance, I think. And, you know, I don't know if Ben Affleck was ever an oil driller on an asteroid. I don't know if Ben Affleck was ever a. a, That's a good. I'm glad you brought that up again, though, because I want to play the clip that we found of Ben Affleck on the. DVD commentary. Yeah, the commentary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben Affleck essentially like shits on the movie for, you know, right, like right, right. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense scientifically. Ben Affleck is right there with you, crowd. Right. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers. And he told me to shut, shut, shut the fuck up. So that, that was the end of that talk. He was like, you know, Ben, just shut up, okay? You know, this is a real plan, all right? I was like, you mean it's a real plan at NASA to train oil drillers? He was like, just shut your mouth. <laughs> See, here's where we demonstrate that, because Bruce is going to tell the guys that they did a bad job of building the drill tank. He did a piss. See, he's a salt-of-the-earth guy. And the NASA nerdonauts don't uh, don't understand uh, his salt-of-the-earth ways, his rough-and-tumble ways. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, that's because your cans are like somehow they can build rocket ships, but they don't understand like what makes a good tranny. <laughs> We've had them training for eight months solid now. Eight whole months? Well, pretty much, yeah. Uh, gee whiz. Well, this like eight whole months, as if that's not enough time to learn how to drill a hole. But in a week, we're going to learn how to be astronauts. A oh, one whole week? Now you know how to fly into space? I need my guys. Why do you need them? They're the best. Everyone's the best. Why are they the best? I don't know. They just are. I'm only the best because I work with the best. If you don't trust the men you're working with, you're as good as dead. You want to send these boys into space? Fine. I'm sure they'll make good astronauts. But they don't know jack about drilling. I mean, this is a little bit of a logic stretch, let's face it. They don't know jack about drilling. How hard can it be? Aim the drill at the ground and turn it on. You think it's just drilling a hole? There's a lot you gotta know about. And when you're gonna break, snap off an edge in a tranny on a corner of a hot pipe, and you're gonna get a gas pocket. Like, yeah, well, what about when the booster rockets don't fire and your EVA suit and your zero gravity, you know? Didn't you see, a, didn't you see Apollo 13, boy? So the one thing that I, I laughed at while I was listening to that clip was how he talks about how they were determined to paint the Harry Stamper character as like this salt of the earth, like nobody's tougher than me character. And I remember specifically there's there's like this hierarchy of character building where what's the guy's name from Men at Work? Keith David or David Keith? Is it Keith David? <laughs> Keith David. David Keith is an actor too, but I can never remember which is which. Keith David is the general, like badass general brought in to talk about like, we're going to throw a hundred nuclear weapons at this thing and we're going to knock it out of orbit and whatever he says. And then there's the guy from NASA who they introduced, Billy Bob Thornton's like, this is Dr. Uh, shit, I know his name too. Dr. Ronald Quincy from NASA. He's pretty much the smartest man on the planet. And so you've got Keith David just completely like talking down to this guy guy. Then you've got Dr. Ronald Quincy talking back at Keith David, completely cool, calm, collected. He's like, General, you imagine a firecracker in your hand goes off, burns your hand, you close your hand, boom, your wife's going to be opening your ketchup bottles. And he totally just, <laughs> that was pretty good, right? Like that was a pretty good recreation of that scene. Um, it was. Right? And so he just completely shuts down Keith David and establishes himself as the alpha male in that room. Fast forward to when Harry Stamper's crew shows up to like, look at the space vehicle, the big space driller tank. That guy's there, Dr. Ronald Quincy. And the second, like the second that Harry Stamper starts talking to him, he starts stuttering and stumbling over his words and like, oh, oh, oh boy, oh, this, this guy's so intimidating. He's the world's best oil driller. And Ben Affleck talking about that just made me remember how every time I watch that movie, I'm like, this is like, that's to me, that's one of the silliest parts of the movies. How, how this guy goes from like the biggest, like intellectual badass in the room to terrified of, of fading hairline Bruce Willis in like the span of 10 minutes. And that's a very little nitpicky thing, but it always makes me laugh. <laughs> the funny thing now is as I re-listened to our re-evaluation of Michael Bay, which Jeremy cleverly called it, and I like it, we were really defending Ben Affleck at that time a year ago, right? And so when we're, we instantly gravitate toward this is going to be our season two finale is going to be the Ben Affleck episode. And as we lined up for this, Ben Affleck is back in the news for something that happened 20 years ago uh, yeah. as well. You're like, do I we mean, talk about that? And I know you feel dirty about gossiping, but I'm really proud of the dude for, 
falling in love again, I guess. We're not sure what happens between these two people that I do not know, have never met, and don't really influence my life in any meaningful way. That said, we'd be lying if we said that their um, initial relationship was not part of our generation, regardless of how much we actively sought out you know, the information and the gossip or how much we were just inadvertently bombarded with it. I mean, I think this is just one of those, like, honestly, I think we're getting old. And I think that this is one of those things that, you know, has the pendulum has swung back and forth with some of the pop culture elements of our generation. But, you know, it does remind me of the days of like TRL and, you know, simpler times and things like that. And also, I would not begrudge most people the chance to be happy. So good for him, I suppose. And you're right. If we do the hashtags correctly, maybe this will pick up some listeners. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, regardless, I think the one word that I would give Ben Affleck and his directing and his acting and generally how I've seen him in interviews and everything is authentic. I think he is a very authentic artist and I don't think he deserves any of the shit that we necessarily give him. If we're going to distill down to one word, that's an interesting challenge. Let's see. To me, I think the word is undeniable. Breaking down the word undeniable, it means incapable of being denied. And in this case, I'm implying credit where credit is due. And I really don't think you can deny Ben Affleck his credit as a director, as evidenced by his Academy Award, an actor, as evidenced by, you know, the acclaimed performances, or just like a... I don't know, like a dude, <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, you have to, you have to actively deny, meaning that you have to put a lot of energy, I feel like into hating him, which that's not what we're about here on this show, right? No, that's we, like, we want to shout down those shouters. That's right. Or we, sh- we shout the shouters. We shout the shouters. I don't know if that's going to be a new slogan for the show, but you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. We'll run it up the flagpole, see who salutes those kind of things. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Second Chance Cinema's tribute to the unreasonably and unfairly hated Ben Affleck. We salute him and listeners, both of you, we salute you for making it all the way through season two. Season three is going to have some surprises, some special guests, some new movies that, uh, believe it or not, we didn't think of during the first two seasons. As always, we want to hear from you. If you've got a recommendation, a critique, a idea, anything, um, get at us on social media and let us know because I don't want to speak for Spro, but I'm going to keep doing this show until I'm dead. Um, And it would be nice to, you know, hear from some people. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, 800 films are made every single year. So that's you a lot. Know a good portion of those go under the radar. So and every year there's even more. So there is no reason why we would ever have to stop doing this show. And I just want to say, you know, listeners aside, MC, I'm so glad that we came up with this. I think you I mean, you came up with this after a, a no, pleasant not, luncheon at Applebee's. I'm not going to take credit. This was all podcast. this was all inspired by the sampler platter. Let's give credit where. <laughs> credits due the the particular and equal arrangement of mozzarella sticks 
quesadilla slices, um, wings, and celery sticks. That's that's the the nexus of Second Chance Cinema. <laughs> I, I think we should impress upon our listeners. Can you please go visit an Applebee's? Oh yeah, we just we just went and visited on a Friday night to discuss season three, and holy crap! Like it <laughs> our was little bastion. It, it was <laughs> need some help. Yeah, it was it was it was sad Applebee's. It was just not. <laughs> Just go, just go. I mean, the food's not bad. It's, it's it's not it's not the French Laundry, but it's it's a good place to go. It's America's it's what's it called? America's favorite neighbor or America? Welcome to the neighborhood. You're part of the family. What Something. is it? Part of the family is Olive Garden. Oh, what am I? Uh, America's favorite. You're eating good in the neighborhood. Is that what it is? Something something neighborhood related. Yeah. Either way, just go go be a good neighbor. Get an appetizer sampler. Tell them MC and Spro saying it will do nothing. <laughs> But hey, you'll 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 enjoy some some tasty fried up treats. And with that, season two is Dunzo Spro. It's been a pleasure. Always, always, my friend. We will talk to uh, all of you listening in season three. And um, until then, thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. Bye. Peace. Um, the reason I wanted to speak first, before, I want to speak before Ben, was um. Ben is a producer on the film, and um, he is also our director. And I thought it would be awkward for Ben to thank himself, but it's not awkward for me. So, on behalf of George and myself, I want to thank you, Ben. You directed a hell of a film. Couldn't be more proud of the film, couldn't be more proud of Ben. So, ladies and gentlemen, our co-producer, and the director of Argo, Ben Affleck. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. I know eventually that, that thing's gonna start to go, so forgive me if this is uh, a little bit quick. I wanna acknowledge Steven Spielberg, who I feel is a genius and, uh, and uh, just a, a, a towering uh, talent among us. I wanna acknowledge the other eight films. There are eight great films that have every right, uh, as much a right to be up here as we do. I wanna acknowledge them and thank them for what they did and for the, many of them who, who didn't even uh, uh, get nominated this year. Um, I want to thank, you know, I mean, uh, Jack McNeese and, 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 and Jerry Specker and Marty Brest and my brother and my mom and dad and uh, uh, Patrick Weitzel and Tony Mendez who let us do his story. Thank you. And I just, I'm going to forget, I thank everyone in the movie, on the movie, worked on the movie, did anything with this movie, gets thanked. I want to thank Canada. I want to thank our, our, our friends in, uh, in Iran living in, 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 in terrible circumstances right now. I want to thank my wife, who I don't normally associate with Iran, but... Um, <laughs> I want to thank you for um, working on our marriage for uh, you know, uh, 10 Christmases. It's, uh, it's, it's good. It's, it is work, but it's the best kind of work. And uh, there's no one I'd rather work with. So, um, and I just want to say, you know, I, I was here 15 years ago or something. And, um, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I stood out here in front of you all, I, really just a kid. And uh, I went out, you know, and I, I never thought that I would be back here. And I am. Uh, because of so many of you who are here tonight, because of this academy, because of so many wonderful people who extended themselves to me when they had nothing to benefit from it in Hollywood. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't get them a job. Um, I want to thank them, and, and I want to thank what they taught me, which is that you have to work harder than you, th than you think you possibly can. You can't hold grudges. It's hard, but you can't hold grudges. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Uh, how you get knocked down in life, because that's going to happen. All that matters is that you got to get up. Violet, Sam, and Sarah, I love you. This, this.
Thank you for listening to this season finale of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a next season, you can reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us, leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And remember, if you judge somebody unfairly solely on the way that they look and you just don't like their face, then that is your harsh prejudices, my friend has nothing to do with Ben Affleck. Enjoy your day.